Well, good morning, and so today marks our last preview service before we officially launch. All right. So come January seventh, you know it'll be kind of a uh, an, a, a big launch day. So um, I, I'm trying to get some things worked out. I think it's going to be pretty awesome. So, but I love, and of course when we launch, of course we'll meet here at Bonnie Kate until God opens up another opportunity somewhere, and so. We'll see how that rolls, all right? So I love this time of the year, okay? And I, I love the wonderment that I see in my kids' eyes, you know? And it's just that there's something about this time of the year, right? Like the, there's these memories for me, like just, just to think about this season and what we as the people of God get to celebrate, that God, Emmanuel with us, you know, God with us. It's just, it's just this crazy idea. But I want to draw your attention to something in the, in, in the season. and Because this season carries with it this echo of eternity. Right? This, this season isn't just about celebrating Christ's birth. It's really a, a, just a shadow of where we really are. And so I, I love this season because of that. And like, like the, us celebrating in the middle of winter, like... Like it, like the branding that goes around this celebration, this season, it makes no sense unless there's something deep in our souls and the deeps of, of other souls of men and women around us that draws us into want to celebrate. Like there's something about this season, like going up after Thanksgiving, I like, I remember waiting with great expectation for December 25th. I see it in my own kids' life eyes. Like they're looking forward to it. And so, but let's be honest, when I was a kid, I was looking forward to gifts on December 25th. If, I think all of us can say that, right? But looking back, I realized that it was really the atmosphere that surrounded this season that, that I wanted to, that, that drew, us, drew me in, that made me want, made me want to, like, to get me excited. And see, the narrative and the branding that has the, the marketing of Christmas is what? It's from dark to light. But that's like the opposite of winter, right? It's light to dark. Like sunny days and spring and summer, now it's dark. And, and, but, but the echo of this season is light, dark to light. Lost to found, broken to fix, fractured to reconciled. Everything about this season carries the story of darkness to light. Like Buddy the Elf, okay? Dark to light, right? One day you'll get to see your father and spend Christmas with your father, right? Or about the Scrooge, darkness to light. There's this reverberation of eternity that causes humankind all over the world to need to celebrate something right now. Something right now. This is my awesome brother who's bringing me some water. There's something about this season that makes us look at or for a better tomorrow. Right? Like maybe this is the year that Uncle Jim will actually come to the family get together. Like maybe this is the Christmas that Uncle Jim won't come to the family get together. There's something that we always look forward to in this season. Something better than before. This is the time of year where we look forward to what is to come. It's a shadow of the phrase that I use a lot of, the best is yet to come. But it's hard to feel that sometimes, right? 
Like when we look when we look around at the at, at the pain in the world, like if, if we were to take a thirty thousand foot observation, if we went thirty thousand feet above everything, what would we see? We would see war. We would see famine. We'd see disease. We'd see racial tension. Then if we were to get on the ground level, and we, we have some personal things in our life, right? Like maybe fa- some family tensions. Like maybe an illness or a loss. And we're crying out to God like, really? Like, really, God? How long must I go on? How long must I be heartbroken, God? Can you, can you not just take it away? Like... Um, just to kind of share with you kind of this, this idea of how crazy this is, is I, I experienced this last night. You know, some of us were with with my grandfather as he passed away, and like several times that day, was, he was just like, Lord, just take me already. Like he physically said, Lord, take me. I can't, like Ecclesiastes says, there will be a day that when you wake up, you wish you hadn't woke up. And I know I'm just a young 30-year-old guy, but there's, day, there's a day coming when one day I'll wake up and I will go, man, just take me home already. I'm tired of this. And we're sitting here like, God, really? But we're not alone in this at all. See, Psalms 13, 1 through 3 is written by a guy named David. And David, David did some major screwy things. And if you ever read the book of Psalms, it's kind of funny. One minute, like one chapter, he's like, God, where are you? In the next chapter, he's like, God, you're awesome. It's like bipolar. It's awesome. Uh, but he, but there's, like he was, he, David experienced some pain in his life. And he said this in Psalms 13, 1 through 3. Oh, Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look, at, look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemies have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O O Lord, my God. Restore the sparkle to my eye, or I will die. Like, here's David going, you have got to, like, there's so much going on in my life right now. You've got to do something. It's like, he kind of has that feeling like God has left him all alone. Like, really, God? Here we are at Christmas, the season when we're supposed to be happy and joyful and celebrating Jesus came and was born and took away our sins and it's like really really but see that's not that's not the only thing in the bible i mean there's several but there's one that maybe if you've been around church long long enough you know and it's romans 8 19 through 22 that says for all of creation is waiting for all of creation is in advent waiting eagerly for the future day when god will reveal who his children really are Against it, against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse, but eager, but with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that creation has has been groaning in in the pains of childbirth right up until the present time. Like groaning, longing, waiting in Advent for the day when Christ returns and makes all things new. That's, that's what we mean in, in, about this season of Advent. See, all, through, all throughout the Old Testament, you have people waiting for their Messiah to come. As they walked around in the wilderness for 40 years, they were waiting for their city. 
You have people waiting and longing for their Messiah to be born, their King to be born. And it was just a shadow. This is just a shadow as we wait eagerly, much like them, for Christ's return to take us home. So this is what I want to talk to us about today. The king is coming. The king is coming. There is this chaos, this brokenness that begins to pervade humankind. And it begins to pervade relationships between men and women between humankind and God, and you have this train wreck of reality. And yet, it's into this train wreck that God promises. And God's promise goes out with a refrain that there's a day coming when all this will be made new and be made right. There's a day when families will come together, relationships will be restored and reconciled, disease will be cured. There's a day coming and and, the, and, these prom- and these promises will begin to echo out through all humanity. And see, we get so caught up in this season that it makes no sense. Like what we celebrate, like who celebrates winter? Really. It makes no sense if we are not connected with Christ this season because of what we have to look forward to in the future. So unbeknownst with all the marketing and all the branding and unbeknownst to all those that are in it just for a dollar, it has its roots in the hope of a Messiah coming to fix what is broken. So we're going to look at Isaiah, one of the promises that God gives. And if you read the first couple parts of of Isaiah, the first couple chapters of Isaiah, you realize that it's not a very joyful beginning. Isaiah goes to the nation's Casting judgment on them, right? Tell them, you know, destruction is coming. But in chapter 2, there's this little sparkle of hope. This little glimmer of light that shines through. And this is what it says, starting in verse 1. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amoz, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem, it shall come to pass in the later days, in the latter days, that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations will flow to it and many people shall come and say come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of God of Jacob and he may teach us his ways and that we might walk in his paths for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem he shall judge between the nations and, and, and shall decide disputes for many peoples And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. So in the midst of brokenness, in the midst of hopelessness, in the midst of a world that is receiving from Isaiah pronouncements of judgment, you get a pinprick of light that erupts the darkness. That one day, all this stuff that you're experiencing will be no more. But for us to really understand it, we have to put this in context, right? Like specifically verse 2. Like if you, if you study near, ancient Near Eastern um, religions and thought, you would understand that when it talks about mountains, 
they believed the higher you got to the sky, the closer you were to God. So when you look at Jerusalem in comparison to other places, it wasn't very high as far as above sea level. That's why when you when you see in the in the stories of the Bible when when they would when God's people would conquer a place, they would go to the highest places and tear down their altars and build their own. That's why the Tower of ba- ba- Babel was so important to them back then. They thought that the closer they got to the sky, the closer they were to God. That's a little crazy, right? Like that's not true. But it, but if you think about it. Wasn't it just 60 years ago that the Russians put a man in space? You remember the first line he said? I've made it to space and there is no God. This didn't stop 100,000 years ago. This 60 years ago, this mindset, like the highest point, that's where God is, so I'm going to go there. But what he's saying is, like, he's telling the people of Israel that and Judah, that the, you know, the people of God, God's going to do something that will raise his glory above everybody else. That his glory will shine above everything. Everything. And what, I'm, what he's going to do is he's going to reorient everything. He's going to, everything. He's going to elevate his glory. It's going to be a reorient the human understanding of what, most, what is most glorious, what is most true, and what is most beautiful. Because in, in, in this day, the people of God were nominal at best. They trusted and worshipped what they made with their own hands. They glory and they rejoice and they worship the work of their own hands. And this fake safety they thought they, they had because of because uh, they have they per, they uh, everything they had purchased via military might. Does that sound familiar? They thought they were safe because they had all the gold, all the riches, and had the military to take care of. It sounds familiar to me. We're like standing in that country. But here's what verse seven says. Their land is filled with silver and gold, and there is no end to their treasures. Their land is filled with horses, and there is no end to their chariots. Their land is filled with idols. They bow down to the work of their, of their hands, to what their own fingers have made. There's a day coming. There's a day coming. And will come. When God will allow us to worship the right thing. See, I think, if I, if I was going to be completely honest, yesterday was really hard. Because we had this promise of God that everything is going to be peaceful. Everything's going to be good. And it, like in our yes, we, we have peace, right? We have peace. But, you know, experiencing that yesterday was kind of like, God, you promised peace. People are still, you, people, people are still dying and they're still hurting. Where's the promise? The countries are still going to war. Like, help me make sense of this, God. Like, you know, when, we, when you're around death, you realize, like, there's something wrong with this picture because we weren't meant to die. God didn't create us to die. 
Like, God, how can you get glory from someone's death? It's a hard question. And, you know, there's, theologians have said this. There's this, there's this idea in, that it's call, they call it the already but not yet or, or the space between, right? Like we're in this space to where we have the promise of God and we're looking for the coming of God. I'm, I'm really struggling this morning because just yesterday was tough. Especially when I was preparing this all week, and then there, like it bothered me more than what I, to be honest, than I thought it would. Like, it made me go, God, really, like, really, like, like this is this is the plan. And it made me think of Philippians three twelve, and because there's something that we're seeking in all this, right? There's something that we're longing for. We're longing for peace. We're longing for, for a glorious, like, we're longing for Zion. Like, it's in us, like in our yes to Jesus, it's like we've said, like, we've accepted that peace. And we have it, but it's not yet there. It's like we're chasing something that we already have. It's like we're longing for something that's already in us. Like what, and it made me think of Philippians when Paul wrote in three twelve through sixteen. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things, nor have I already reached perfection, but I press on to possess the perfection of which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing: forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. That all who are spiritually mature agree with these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you that we must hold on to the, to the progress we have already made. Like, it doesn't make sense, right? Like, with everything that we, that we know God's promised us with, it doesn't really quite make sense. Like, and I think we all understand, like, that whole, I've obtained it, but I'm still chasing it. I'm, I already possess it, but, like, do you, do you feel that? Like, there's something, like, you have it, but you're still chasing, you want more of it? Like, you want more peace, you want more comfort, you want more whatever. That's kind of what I mean by the space between. Like, there's this longing for more of something that we already have. I think there's this great theologian who his name is uh, Bono from the band U2. They sing this song that says, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I believe when the kingdom comes and all the colors will bleed into one, bleed into one. Do you hear what Bono's saying there? If you go back and read the lyrics, it's like this. I have tasted it. I've got it. I know it, but I want it. Like, I have it, but I want it. This is like, how are we to live in this life with the struggles that we face? We know God's promise to us. That he's a redeemer, he's a rescuer, he's going he's gonna, to he's, he's gonna lift, uh, be up on a mountain. 
Like he's on the like all glory is going to be him, and there's going to be peace in that. And but how do we live in that? But go through all we go through here on earth. It's kind of like I I can just imagine sometimes that you know in the Old Testament leading up to the Messiah. It's like you look at the like lamentations, which is a lament of when God are you going to rescue us? When? Like, I'm, I really struggle with that this weekend. Like, when are you going to rescue me out of this? Like, you, you promised. You promised me. Is it okay if I just honest with you guys? <laughs> you know, we've all... Really, if we if we were to speak honestly, like we've all faced things here in the last couple of months that we're sitting here going, really? Like really? You're gonna do this right now? Like how do we live in peace with that? How do we live in peace when things go on around us? In Revelations twenty one three through six. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. That's Emmanuel, God with us. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eye and there will be no more death, no more sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And he said this to me. Write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. Does anybody ever have struggle with like the promises of God? Like, God, I know you promised me this and I'm, I'm not really seeing it yet. Like, how do I know you have authority in this? And he says, write this down, I'm trustworthy in truth. And he said, and he also said, it is finished, I mean complete. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the spring of water of life. So my prayer this morning is just, God, I really need that spring of water right now. I really need that spring of water to give me some new life. And I know none of this really makes sense outside of the fact that this season really does bring some hope. If he did, if he did it once, he can do it again. space in between this is kind of comforting to me is that he promised that all the nations of the world will 
will come to see what's happening on Mount Zion. You might say, how can we, how can we trust that all this is true? And here we are 2,000 years later, 2,000 plus miles away. And we've searched out what Zion is, what's going on in Zion. We're here. as I asked myself like how are you going to get through this Derek like yeah you experienced what you did yesterday and that's pretty rough you know there's things in your family that's kind of rough right now and there's things at school that are kind of rough right now like how are you how are you going to live in hope like this is the season of hope I know the king is coming. He promised us that he'd come again. So what am I going to do right now? That's the question. What are you going to do right now when pain comes, when suffering comes, when everything, I can't use the word I want to, when everything goes to crap? Okay? What are you going to do? I think it's this. In verse 5, it says this of Isaiah 2. O house of Jacob, O people of God, those of you who call yourself believers in God, when life really sucks, come, let us walk in the lie of the Lord. You and I are 30 minutes closer to the skies opening up and the return of Jesus not as a baby in a manger but as a reigning supreme sovereign king Woo. Rick Flair in it so here we are 2,000 years plus after his first come when he brought hope for the first time in the world I think about it I use this a lot Ephesians 2, you were dead in your sins, which means you could do nothing. The people in that day, they would would take sacrifices into the temple only to have to do that over and over and over again because it didn't work. Like if you read Hebrews, he says, the whole point of the law was to show you that it didn't work, that you couldn't do it in and of yourself. And so in your camp, you needed somebody who could. needed a savior and he came like he promised and then when he left there was another promise that said the king is coming the king is coming and we as a church have drifted off asleep like all through Jesus' teaching he's reminding us hey stay awake stay alert be ready you don't you don't you don't need to be like these virgins over here who weren't prepared that's another Bible story by the way you don't need to be like this group over here that wasn't prepared for the coming of the king no you need to wake up because I'm coming 
hopes that any moment he could come tear open this guy. And I'm, I'm crying now with the same call that my grandfather called out last night. Lord Jesus, come. Come. Take us away. But until then, I'm going to walk in your light. I'm going to walk in your light. Well, what's that look like, Derek? I don't know. <laughs> I just know that I'm going to trust that when I wake up tomorrow, he's in control. I'm going to trust that what happened yesterday, he's in control. What happens next week, he's in control. Because he, I know he promised me he's coming. And listen, it may happen after I'm dead and gone. But man, am I going to have fun busting up out of that grave. Just to think of the story like, we needed hope and he came. We needed rescue and he's, he's came. Now, and we're ready to go home and he's going to come and take us home. Like he promised us that. Here we are in Advent, celebrating Christ being born and it just being a shadow of the real promise. May we stay awake for that. May we live life in a way as we walk in the light, as we serve Him, we dedicate our lives to Him, we give our all to Him. May we always live in a way to know that the King is coming. We have won. We have won. Hey, you can throw whatever you want to at me. Send my wife away. Take my grandfather away. Take my mamma and my other grandfather away. Rope punch me. Do whatever you want. But I got a water pistol. And I'm going to put your fire out, brother. I have already won. I have won. I have won. Good God, we want to thank you for this season that we're in. That you first brought hope into this world that when 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 we couldn't that when we couldn't you could. When we couldn't fix ourselves, you could fix us. And God, as we rejoice in your first coming over this season that is called Christmas, this Advent season, God, I pray that we celebrate it as just a shadow of you coming back. The King is coming back. And when you rule and you reign on this earth, that it's going to be what you promised. No more tears. No more pain. No more suffering. But forever in your presence we will be. So, here's my prayer, God. Um. Lord Jesus, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. 
it could be today, that would be awesome. Or tomorrow. But just come. And if, you, if it's not time for you to come back, God, do something in my heart to give me continuous peace. To know that you are in control. Everything's okay. God, I'm just going to pray a selfish prayer for a minute. And just, I pray that you be with the Webb family over the next couple of days. Be with Calvin especially. And give them this peace that you promised. Give them this peace that you promised. Even if it's just a shadow of that peace that is to come, give it to them. Know that it's going to be okay because you are love, and inside love there is no fear, there is no hurt. I pray all this in your name. Amen.